Welcome to another edition of the Darko Audio Podcast with me, John Darko, and Tone Audio's Jeff Dorgay. Just a word of warning before we start, I have a problem with my microphone. It occasionally makes these weird clicking noises, so no, it's not your speakers faltering or your headphones. I just thought I'd let you know before we get going. Are you ready, Jeff? Let's go. We're running, Jeff. It's been, has it been four months since our last podcast, you and I? Wow. We did we did that one on lifestyle products, and at the end, it, w- it was just after Munich, and at the end, I don't know whether you remember, I said to you, there was a rumor going around Munich that Amazon were about to launch a high-res streaming service, and this week, they have made good on that rumor. And so I thought we would talk a little bit about that today. Sure. But I thought I'd start with asking you... Actually, before I ask you the first question, I've got to tell you, a reader emailed me saying, hey, John, love your podcast with Jeff from Tone, but please let him talk more. I thought I talked too much, dude. I thought I talked too much. <laughs> like he's American. Of course, he's going to get plenty of airtime. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I always feel no, bad that I talk too much. So No, it's, it's perfect as it is. No, no, no. It's, it's, I just thought it was funny, like him requesting that an American talk more <laughs> yeah we, we all talk too Sorry. much you know no it's true you know stereotypes are there for a reason that's not a slight against americans because i talk a lot when we you know when i get going but anyway oh, guilty as charged so <laughs> back to the higher res topic yes so at the moment i mean you're probably like me you probably have cobas and tidal is that right correct and and you know if it's okay for me to say so i mean i think this amazon thing I think it's kind of a two-edged sword. On one mm. hand, yes, it's um, it's creating more awareness for high res, and mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know if you can use this or if you have to cut it. I know our our pal Doug Schneider at Soundstage is is all excited about the Amazon thing, and he and a number of people think that you know, yeah, this is going to breed all this awareness for high res audio, and mm. it's going to make everybody want to go buy a DAC. And, you know, for me, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, it's, it's, I think, I think it's always new people to the game, new people Mm. to the game that aren't necessarily audio enthusiasts, but music lovers, you Mm. know, if they look at their Amazon prime and go, Oh, wow. Now I can stream music. I, I think the, really the, the goal is to get people from the Sonos world for lack of a better term, let's not, let's not even call it Sonos world, powered speaker world. People mm-hmm. need to go the Delta from going from powered speaker world to a really decent hi-fi. Mm-hmm. That's the big gap, getting people there to go from CD quality audio to high res audio. Eh, I, I don't, I, you know, I mean, I love the fact that it's there. I love the fact that I can stream high res audio with title, with Cobuzz, and I guess now with Amazon, but I, I, I don't see it as as big of a deal as some do. There's a couple of things to unpack there, really. I think is that number one, you are you and I and Doug by association, we all have hi-fi systems that can hopefully resolve the differences between lossy CD quality and high-res audio, right? And like yes. you say, making you know, getting people to make the hardware jump first, and I think it has to come first, otherwise. Are you going to hear much of a difference if you've got a little pair of, I don't know, I don't want to pick on a brand particularly, so I'll say like the audio engine Canto type 
powered monitors. Sure. Are you going to hear a massive difference between, say, Spotify and the new Amazon, let's say, CD quality? Um, you might hear a bit, but is it going to set your life on fire? Well, not as much as if somebody comes and puts a pair of Sonus Faber in your living room with a nice amplifier, and that is really going to, you know, that's going to, that's really going to put a fire in your belly about music sound quality, right? Yes, I agree. Totally, totally. Right. And, you know, and there's a certain amount of people that are arguing, they're saying, oh, well, you know, the, that Amazon is $5 or $8 a month cheaper than Cobas or Tidal. And I'm, I'm looking at that going, well, if you've spent five, 10, 20, $100,000 on a hi-fi system, really? Eight bucks a month is 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 breaking your meal plan. I mean, I don't know. Um, and and I mean, again, selfishly, I use Rune to keep track of everything. So mm -hmm. anything that's not in Rune infrastructure isn't really isn't intriguing to me because that means now I have to get out of Rune, use a different thing. I mean, the whole the whole formatty kind of thing. I mean, it's not really a format war. But it's a it's a, a browser and interface, all of that. That's never worked historically. Mm. So if you've spent any amount of time working with any of the streaming services and you've started building playlists and you've started building a library, do you really want to go, okay, I'm gonna flush all my Spotify shit, I'm gonna I'm gonna flush all my Koba stuff, and I'm gonna start over and look for all the same music on Amazon to save five bucks a month? Eh, I don't know. I have to separate this out, right? Because the, the thing I really like about Tidal, and I've said this before, Tidal, Kobos, and now Amazon, it's not the high res that's exciting. It's the CD quality, because let's assume that 100% of these libraries, all of them, Tidal, Kobos, Amazon, all stream in CD quality now. That's, in, that's fantastic. Yes. But when you look at how much high res there is, it's, I think it's what, like 5%, let's say, let's be generous, let's say 10%, right? It's not enough. It's not enough to get excited about. And I think, I think Amazon and other companies know this, which is probably why they are calling and they're being very smart about this. And I don't mean smart in a clever way. I mean, kind of smart in a kind of sneaky kind of way. Yes. Is that they're calling CD quality well, they're not calling it, they're calling it high definition, they're not calling it high res. But the inference is there that somehow this is like high res content. So it, there's only going to be a small gap if, between somebody hearing high def and saying high res, and then Chinese whispers takes over. And eventually you get everybody talking about how Amazon, all of it is high res, or how Kobo's, all of it is high res. And it's not. It's, right. All of it is CD quality, right? Because if you took all the CD quality away and said to people, okay, you've just got the high res left with Kobo's, you can stream that. I think most people would cancel their subscription overnight. Because, oh, sure. well, there's, nothing, there's very little there, right? So right. The, the appeal for me, and I think for a lot of other people, is the CD quality. It's like having a CD store in your, in your house, right? You can get any CD and play it. And I think that is superb. The high res is a nice bit of icing on the cake. You know, if I punch in David Bowie and it comes down at 24.96, that's nice. But if it doesn't, I'm not going to cry to my mum about it or to your mum about it. But you know what I mean? It's, it's, I think the appeal is, I think it's great that people are getting CD quality. I would love to see this just invisibly passed out to everyone. No, um, I agree. I agree. And, and again, even for those of us that have been doing this for 
how, how long would you say 10, 12 years that actual computer audio has really been a thing? Give or take. Yeah, about that. Yeah, about 12 yeah. years. Yeah. So for those of us in the audience that have hundreds, maybe thousands, maybe more CDs all ripped on a NAS somewhere, mm. you know, again, you and I have talked about this at length. I mean, the, the bulk of the digital music you listen to, at least you and I listen to, is probably still 1644. Uh, all of nearly all of my, my listening is done at sixteen forty four because yeah. I, I I never browse according to sample rate or bit depth. I'm not going. Oh, I need some. Let's listen to some high res today. It's like I want to listen to that Kraftwerk album or that British Sea Power album or whatever you know. And then whatever format I have it in, I have it in. And maybe right. I'll go. Oh, look, there's an MQA version. I'll listen to that just to see what it sounds like. Yes, but. I guess, I mean, Amazon is a big company. They have 30 million subscribers on their lossy tier. So the, it's easier for them to con convert people over to this higher res thing. So a lot of people with, I guess, with home theaters, they might be tempted to go, well, I know what high def Blu-ray does for me in the visual domain. So maybe I should get onto this high def Amazon streaming service at home so I can get better quality at home. I think that's where these people will be, you know, flipped over or they'll drop the switch and spend the extra five bucks a month. Well, here's the other thing. I mean, a lot of, uh, a number of people have mentioned they've made the, they've made the connection with higher resolution downloads and television. And they say, well, you know, 8K TV is pushing content through and 4K TV pushed content through. But I really see the difference between TV and music is that for the most part, you sit and watch TV or you sit and watch a movie and you don't do anything else. But a lot mm. of us, as much as we love music, a lot of us have music on all day long, whether we're sitting down actively between some speakers and listening mm. or we're just doing other stuff. We love having music on all day. So if you're, if you're not really sitting on the couch in front of the speakers, I mean, if you're way off axis cooking, brushing the dog, doing whatever, um, mm. you're not going to notice that change in fidelity as much as if you were actively listening. So again, I think, I, I don't know if the Amazon audience is going to care as much, really. Let's just say a lot of people that are just a little bit older than you, mm. who are not, not quite the hardcore baby boomers, but let's say mid-40s to mid-50s, okay? Yeah. Um, a lot of those people came from listening to music in their car on cassettes. Mm. So, you know, I, I guess I guess what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is that a lot of people are used to really crappy sound. So, you know, again, it leads us back to that the delta is to find enough people to get intrigued enough with hearing sound done well rather mm. than arguing about you know, 2496 versus 1644. I, well, I think people just, I mean, music fans, and I, th I think if I think back to myself in the 90s, I didn't buy CDs because I thought they were of like a, a certain standard of, uh, well, you know, certain audio, had a certain audio quality. I just bought them because that was the format of the time. Right. 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 Exactly. And now Spotify or Apple Music or whatever is the format of the time. And I think to sort of try and ask people to go back voluntarily 
is possibly, possibly for most people asking for too much. But if you just gave it to them automatically, if Amazon said, right, no more lossy streaming, we're just going to turn on CD quality streaming, that's it, everybody gets that by default. That sounds like paradise for most people. And I guess for us in an ideal world, that might be cool. But the problem people have is their mobile phone data plans are going to be wiped out in three days if right. they start doing that, right? right. This you know, is I didn't even think about that because I never listen to music on a phone. So Right. People, very, very few people think about this because I stream Spotify on my phone because I know that I'm never going to eat through. I think I've got about 12 gig a month. Now, I know a lot of Americans are on Sprint and they've got that unlimited plan, but that's that's not the norm in the rest of the world. So for in Germany, we're on like anything between, say, 3 gig and 12 gig. In Australia, it's kind of the same. Okay. So unless you offline on your Wi-Fi network at home and then go out, if you're just streaming Tidal out in the street and you're doing 300 megabytes per album, three albums, you've done a gig, right? So you wow. do like, yeah. I, didn't, I, right? never even, I mean, that's an excellent <clears throat> point. Didn't even think right. about that. And I think that for me, and I, I think I've said this before, that is the number one roadblock to lossless streaming is just mobile data plans. If everyone was on an unlimited plan, happy days. Give everybody lossless, no problem. But the reason lossy is valuable is because, and especially teenagers, right? They love music. Right. They don't, they don't have a lot of money, so them topping up their prepay phone is a, like with 10 bucks is – that's a big deal for them. Only in the home can we kind of be a little bit more carefree about streaming lossless and high res. I mean, I don't have to worry about that in my house. But but think about this then, right? A lot of people now, especially people that live alone, they don't have a home internet connection. Their phone is their internet connection. True, true. So again, <clears throat> this becomes a, um, a barrier towards the adoption of higher bit rates for um Music streaming. I'm not trying to be down on it. I'm just trying no, to go. No, these, it's just practical. These are, right. Yes, exactly. These are, these are the practical points that we need to consider. But I'm, you know, I'm very happy that um, that Amazon have introduced this service. I think it's good at sort of spread, spreading the message. I know every well, no, not everybody. A lot of people like to say a rising tide lifts all boats. But I look at Amazon and I see a warship. And <laughs> right, I, I do. I mean, I agree. Right? I agree. And it's it's got guns pointing in all, all directions. And I, I guess I do have to worry a little bit for the high res lossless streaming competition like Tidal and Cobras. I mean, people like to see Tidal as the audiophile's friend, and they probably are, but they probably get more new subscriptions from their exclusive Beyonce, Kanye West, White Stripes content than ever they get from some nerdy audiophile like you or I, you know, lusting for a lossless version or a high-res version of, of like a cream best of. You know what I mean? Like they just, those Beyonce sure. releases, that's that's a big deal for them, way more than audiophiles. I think at least even, I'll even give Title the benefit of the doubt. I mean, with Title and Cobuzz, we're able to get quite a bit of relatively obscure music for those of us that are music geeks. My worry is that when Amazon runs the world, mm. uh, what happens when Amazon says, you know, hey, none of those Kraftwerk CDs that John likes or none of those, you know, none of those obscure Uriah Heap albums that Jeff likes are important. <laughs> Right. Um, we're just going to give you Taylor Swift, and that's all you get. 
that is a worry. I don't trust um, I don't trust streaming services one bit with this stuff. I make sure that I have CDs rips of everything that I really like. So Me I'm too. you know I've kind of got that doomsday scenario where I'm going like I've stockpiled all my rips and my CDs and that that's it. So I just use I'm probably unusual and maybe you're a bit like this as well. We're both unusual in that we probably dip into the streaming world to try new stuff or to play stuff that we probably like, but don't like it enough to buy. But it's interesting. You say that Cobas and Tidal provide um, this obscure music because as a big fan of electronic music, I don't find either of them are as fulfilling with content as, as Spotify. Like if a new release comes out, yeah, right. Spotify always has it. Now that's for, you know, like indie rock as well. They always have it like midnight, Friday morning when it's new release day and then Tidal probably gets over the weekend and Cobras as well but not all of them get everything and I find yeah I don't know it's not it doesn't doesn't work that way for me but maybe if you're a classical fan I understand that Cobras is very good for that you've got to you've got to worry for these companies because Amazon has 30 million subscribers Tidal has an estimated I have to be careful with this 3 million and the last digital music news article I read about Cobras 200,000. So, you know, you'd, I guess, as Americans like to say, you do the math. Right. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess it's about the money and whether they have enough funding to go, you know, move forward. But I guess I'm not saying that Amazon are going to put these companies out of business, but they're going to take the edge off um, attracting new subscribers. Because if, if, you know, if the casual guy is like, where can I get CD quality streaming? Oh, Amazon does it. I'll get, I'll just, I've already got Amazon. I'll get, I'll just use that. Right, pa- right. Path of least resistance, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to – I don't want to be doom and gloom about it, but – I mean, it's 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 interesting that Apple's a little bit behind the curve on this. You mm. know, I mean, that, that strikes me as intriguing. Um, I mean, again, the thing that I'm looking at, too, from our standpoint, from our world of high-performance audio, mm. is that, you know, I always look at high-performance audio as a 1% solution. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. And so, you know, even if, honestly, even if Apple Music adopts this and, you know, and then with what we've got going on at Amazon, you know, if that raises awareness one more percent, Mm. honestly, we've doubled the size of our industry. So maybe, Mm. you know, maybe it will be, you know, a big deal. I mean, I I guess at the end of the day, I I don't probably don't think about it as much as I should. I mean, Mm. if they they shut the streaming faucet off tomorrow <clears throat> i mean honestly i've got enough music to listen to um mm. i'll go back to going to the record store every saturday um it's it's uh you know i i don't i i think on one level maybe this is just much ado about nothing you know it's gonna <laughs> go where it's gonna go you know do you think this kind of service jeff can drive hardware sales for you know high performance audio gear you know, I mean, see, I don't. I mean, a number hmm. of people that have been yip-yapping about it on Facebook over the last week, you know, they're all seeing this as the second coming of Christ. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, to me, I – I because be, – and the only reason I say that, again, I'm not trying to be a cranky pants, hmm. but when SACD and DVDA came out, that – didn't drive a lot of hardware sales. It drove some, it drove a little mm. bit, but the average, I mean, when SACD was at its peak, what, about 20 years ago, maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the average person in the street, if you said, well, I've got an SACD player, they'd say, yeah, I've got a CD player. Um, so 
you know, it, it didn't really drive hardware back then. Mm. Um, so I, I, you know, I mean, maybe, but I, I, again, I just don't see a lot of people walking into their hi-fi store and going, oh, now that I've got Amazon Prime, you know, I need that new DCS DAC. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't see it, but, you know, I mean, I, if it does, I think that's wonderful. But um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not seeing it yet. I mean, it's only been a couple of days and, you know, people are complaining that it's not it's not in Rune yet and whatever. I mean, I'm, I certainly wouldn't buy, let's just say, for example, and no, mm. no ill wishes towards NAD, but let's just say I were going to buy somebody else's DAC that didn't support Amazon streaming or Amazon Prime mm. or I'd buy an NAD. It's like, you know what? I'd still buy the DAC I was going to buy and just stream it from something else. That that wouldn't be enough to make me change a hardware purchase. So mm. I don't know. I think it's it's important to unpack a little bit of what you've just said about um, NAD, Blue Sound. Well, for about a year and a bit, they have supported Amazon Music. And they do that in their app using Amazon's APIs where the Blue Sound app can just tap into the library and reskin it and then load it, right? So I won't say it's a trivial job, but it's not what you call a tight integration. I think a lot of streaming companies can do it. So I'm pretty sure that Auralic could add it to their Lightning DS platform without, you know, without breaking too much of a sweat because like their Cobas and Tidal access, that's also through APIs. Right. Got it. So okay. these are like um, bits of code that kind of tunnel through the web, grab the album title, the artist title, year, bio, cover art, that kind of thing, pull it and display it in the app. So if you're a Rune user, you know, yes, you would probably be enthusiastic about having Amazon HD support in Rune, but that is not as trivial as implement an API. It's not as simple as just taking the API code and accessing their services that way. I think Rune, well, I'm pretty sure, Rune integration is much tighter than just an API relationship and a contract. But but what I would say to people is that if you if you want Amazon HD support um, in Rune, and like it, announcing your enthusiasm on the uh, Rune Labs community page on their forums is one thing that's fine, but I'm pretty sure Rune are already across the level of enthusiasm for it. I think the best thing that people could do is lobby Amazon for Rune support. So, you know, like at them on, on Twitter, write on their Facebook page or tag them in a status update and say, like, I would love to have Rune support for Amazon HD. You know, let Amazon know. For them, Rune is probably a relatively new concept. Sure. So they need, well, to, they need well, to know the user base is out there and vocal is what I'm saying. for you if if you've had this experience i mean we mm. you and i have had this ongoing discussion about you know whether today's music sucks or not okay mm. but have you found not only with today's music but with a lot of music there's music have you had things that you've streamed enjoyed and went you know i don't need to hear that again 
You know, it's kind of like watching a movie. Some films you watch over and over again over the years because they're wonderful and they've they've imprinted on you in one way or the other. But some movies you only need to see once. It's like I always think and this is going to sound maybe a bit pretentious, a bit strange, but I'm going to run with it anyway. Right. So Go ahead. some of my favorite albums in the world are like best friends. Right. Like I know them inside out. Yes. And every time I go back to them, it's like it's the familiarity that I really enjoy as much as the music. Yes. But, but sometimes, you know, like you meet somebody on a train, you have a very nice conversation, you get off the train, they get off the train somewhere else, and you never see them again. But that right. didn't doesn't take away from what a nice experience that was conversing with that person for like 20 minutes or an hour or whatever. And I think those albums that you're talking about are like those train journey people where yes. you just, yeah, you know, you kind of have a nice time listening to you go that was really cool or that was really interesting and then you go about and you probably never go back to it or somebody might mention it and go oh yeah i played that once that was really cool maybe i'll give it another shot but probably not because there's so many other things to play right and i find yeah the tyranny of choice with streaming is just sometimes not unbearable that makes it sound also pretentious but like it's it's a lot to deal with like you kind of go you have this paralysis of choice there are so many things to choose from you choose nothing which exactly. is why I like which is why I like physical media because you're constrained financially or by space and therefore it's easier to pick something because you just kind of have to look through the spines and kind of go well that or this or whatever but I do like algorithms that throw up like this recommended for you I think Spotify is terrible at that with me but I've never found a an algorithm that says like this would be cool, but Rune Radio, you know, where it kind of plays similar songs from Cobras and Title to it's that. Doing a pretty damn good job for me. <laughs> Incredible, yeah. That that I find I discover a lot of music from that. Also, sometimes it will play things like Simple Minds, and I can't reach for the remote fast enough to go skip. No, I do not want to hear Simple right. Minds. Simple I hate Minds that fans, too. Right. Ah, 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 that's <laughs> funny. Yeah, Simple that's Minds funny. are one of those. One of those I bands just, that kind of just I can't. I mean, although no. the, I think the all-time band for me that does that and that makes me want to just literally throw my hi-fi out the window if it comes on are the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Sorry, Red Hot Chili Peppers fans, can't stand them. They are make me they make me violent. I hate them that much. The the absolute most hated song in the world for me. Mm. Aside from the crap we hear at audiophile shows, but the the song that. I hate more than any song in the whole world is Don, Don McLean, American Pie. I absolutely, I have hated that song <laughs> since the day it came out. And I will, you know, and the record that I totally don't get that I've, I try, I listen to it every year once thinking this will be the year that I'll get the epiphany. Mm. And this is really heretical to say is Pet Sounds. I've never, that record has never clicked with me. Um, you know, they always say that that's the answer to Sergeant Pepper. Not for me. It never has been. Not for me either. You know, it's really interesting actually, because I was at, um, I was in uh, Copenhagen last weekend and I was at this social gathering of music publishers. So people okay. who like the music and things like that. And I was having a chat to one guy and we actually really bonded over the whole red hot chili puppers hate thing. So we that's were talking, he, he's British and we were talking about bands that we really cannot stand. And like it was the mo it was a lot of fun, right? But he was telling me also because he lives in Copenhagen. I think his wife's um, Danish as well. He was saying that Danish people look at us, you know, having that kind of conversation like we're crazy. Like, why would we waste our time 
talking about things that we don't like. Whereas for British people, like hanging shit on things is a lot of fun. It's just, I guess, that's it's what I like about in, it. In our, in our psyche, right? But for Danish people, it's like it's it's bizarre. Why would you waste so much energy or time on that? Why wouldn't you talk about things you love? But it's, I don't know, it's just fun to hate on stuff, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, well, and you know, again, that's the that's the beauty of the internet. I mean, everybody that's got sixty followers on Facebook thinks they're CNN now and that their opinion matters. So, you know, it, it's yeah. Uh, but I thought that was a very interesting cultural difference. Um, whereas, you know, I, I mean, I was telling this guy how, like, one of my one of my British friends um, came and visited me a few months ago, and we were in a record store near here, and we both pointed at Florence and the Machines album and agreed that we had no words to describe how bad it was. I mean, not that we've even heard all of the songs on it. It was just like the singles had just got awful. So Florence and the Machine, another trigger. Um, <laughs> artists for me can't stand them you know dude i'm probably the only guy i'm the only guy in the pacific northwest i'm i suspect i'm the only guy in the pacific northwest Mm. that a doesn't have a beard and b doesn't like slater kinney ah okay i've never i i'm kind of like uh, about them they're okay if they're on fine no problem but i understand what i understand they're a portland band aren't they uh, Seattle, well, Seattle, um, real close to Seattle. I always forget the suburb. That's it. They're about mm. twenty miles out of Seattle. Uh, it's not a. It's not a simple minds level hate, but it's just <laughs> that's that's just one of those bands I've just really never given a crap about. So right. um, I'm too old probably to get it. So I feel like know. I should redress the balance and give a recommendation for a record that um, I knew was coming out, and it's actually one of those. A very rare event where I've been excited before it came out. I always knew it was coming. I'm going, can't wait for Friday to, to this, listen to this. Um, and it's an album by an, a guy called Barker. And the title, okay. of the, album, the title of the album is Utility. It's electronic music. It comes on the Oscott Torn label, which is associated with Berghain, the nightclub here. But it's, it's, it's basically techno or electronic music imagined or reimagined without the kick drum. So without the doof doof element that people find so annoying, but this is, so it's, it's like this, all this like day glow synthesizers. It's like a, what's that? What's the, what's the, the advertising tag for Skittles? Is it a rainbow of flavors or something like that? Yeah. 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 It's like, it's like a bag of Skittles in music. So I recommend people, if you're into electronic music, Barker, Utility, it's absolutely superb. You know, the last two weeks I've been traveling with all these shows, so I haven't, mm. I haven't, I haven't had any new, what's the band I listened to the other day? It was courtesy, do you know the fellows at uh, Audiovision San Francisco, Antonio and Randy? I know of them, I don't know them. Sorry. Okay. Um, the, what? Because Antonio's got a little more of a, electronica goth bent to his musical mm-hmm. taste though he has a very wide um wide range of taste the band that i was listening to drab majesty mm-hmm. have you heard of, Don't them? of them no not yeah. at all they've got a few a few a few albums on title it's mm. kind of um it's kind of cure-esque okay you know kind of cure kind of morrissey-esque a big fan of the Cure was a big fan of Morrissey, though it's faltered a little bit in in the light of his racist 
outburst. But yeah. Hey, Jeff, you, you mentioned you're, you've been on the show trail. C- can you share with us um, maybe even a compare and contrast Rocky Mountain with Cedia? Well, Cedia is a lot more. Oh, what's what's the in in, in England? You have those um, audio swap meets called audio jumbles, I believe. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, they call them, they're, they're, have you ever been to – are you familiar with the American concept of having a yard sale or a garage sale? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, that's. I think that's a fairly – yes, yes, I know what you mean. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about a jumble sale, but like an audio yeah, jumble yeah. sale. Right? right okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. Rocky Mountain, even though they've got this new big venue, mm. it's still very amateurly run and mm. – you know, there's there's not enough staff. There's there's no advertising for the show. I mean, you know, when you go to Munich, right? When you mm. when you go to when you go to um um oh come on, it's falling out of my head. When you're um, on the subway, when you're on the subway, yeah. there's like you on know, the yeah, airport, they're, they're, they're right. advertising, and, and, and also at mm. Expona. I mean, mm-hmm. they're on TV, they're on the radio. There's advertising everywhere. It's really well run. You walk in, everything's mm. dialed in. Um, Cedia is a much bigger, much more, even though it's a wider range because it's theater, it's custom installation, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just, it's a real show, you know? I mean, it's, it's like Rocky Mountain is when you take your car to the independent guy that's got one guy working for him and one bay to put your car in mm-hmm. and see it's like going to the Porsche Experience Center. Okay. And both of those things are valid, but for me, I mean, this was my last year for Rocky Mountain. I've gone to mm-hmm. Rocky Mountain every year since it started. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I launched Tone. It's Tone's birthday. Um, you know, it, it that that that's always been kind of a significant event. But they just they're charging professional level prices for what they do, but mm-hmm. they're not offering professional level service. I mean, the first day at Rocky Mountain. They this year they expanded press day from half a day to a full day, mm-hmm. but there were no programs and none of the rooms were labeled. So mm. all those poor people from our industry that made it a point to get there early to get mm. set up saw two or three people all day because nobody <clears throat> knew where to go. Right, and, and yeah, because had I have gone, had I gone, I would have gone. I would have been trying to bounce around those rooms on press day for sure. And if I didn't have right. a a guide that would have been very difficult. Yeah, and and so it's just and a number of people had said, "Oh, it's teething, it's this and that." She's been mm. running a show for fifteen years, and it's still an amateur production. I'm it sorry, is. and I'm, I'm sure I'll get a lot of hate mail over this, but it's it's still it's still a DIY show. Mm. And well, it has. To, I guess it has more of a homebrew feel compared to Cedia, right? Definitely, but but now it's it's put in this giant hotel, mm. and it's it's kind of like a group of islands rather than a country. Okay, you know, I mean, the coolest thing about Europe to me as an American is that everything is right there. You know, you you go an hour, you're in Germany. You go an hour, you're in France. You're in Italy. You're in Denmark, and you can get all of that stuff in one place. It's and, fantastic. Yeah, and this is like—I mean, it would be like imagine coming to America, and the only place that there were any people were Florida, New York, Chicago, California, and Seattle. 
but (laughs) you've only got a day to get there. You've only got one day to see America, right? Mm. That's how this is. So, I mean, a lot of people had a great experience there. Mm. I wasn't one of them. I, I found the thing poorly run, poorly organized, way too spread out. Mm. And, you know, because another thing, I mean, again, I'm in my Rocky Mountain bashing mode here. Um, <laughs> but as they say on the internet, I'm entitled to my opinion. Um, one of the things that's always been cool about Rocky Mountain in the past, even though perhaps the rooms were packed a little too tightly together, you mm. walk, it's, like, it's like going to a record store, okay? Mm. You go in looking for David Bowie albums, but you're like, hey, here's that other thing. Hey, here's that other thing. Wow. You know, when you go to a record store expecting to buy one record, but you buy 10 other records that you didn't even know you were going to buy before you walked in the record store, Mm -hmm. that's how I used to look at Rocky Mountain. It's like, hey, you know, here's the guys from Mod right over here. Wow. They've got something new. Hey, these guys are here. These guys are here. But this was so spread out, you couldn't stay in the I'm excited about hi-fi groove. Mm. Like, wow, I saw something here. Now let's go walk around for 20 minutes. Oh, you know, and then you get all the way across the hall or all the way down the way to the other tower and go, oh, yeah, I wanted to go back to the golden era. Oh, yeah, that's a 20-minute walk. Mm. Eh. You know, right. I mean, it was great. I got a lot of steps in. I mean, that was really cool. But, well, I think, um, yeah, most audiophiles need those steps, Jeff. Yes. And myself included. But, I mean, let me, ask you, let me ask you this, though. For me, I mean, I, I've never been to Cedia, but I get the, the impression that – so Rocky Mountain is very much about people turning up and listening to hi-fi systems. I don't think that's the case at Cedia, is it? No, Cedia is definitely more of a trade show. You're right. going to Cedia to see the people that make the products. Um, you know, it's it's definitely a business-to-business trade show. Mm-hmm. And so and, – and more and more two-channel people – over the last few years have been showing up at Cedia, where Cedia typically, say five, six years ago, was much more of a multi-channel show, custom mm. installation theater. A lot more two-channel people are making their way to Cedia. So, I mean, for me, again, because like you, I don't really do show reports. I'm there to just shake paws with everybody and say hello, hey, what's new? Um, Cedia is a much more useful show. Mm, yeah, I, I do. So, I mean, the equivalent in Europe is ISE, which takes place in Amsterdam in February, uh, although, although it's moving to Barcelona in 2021. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, can you give us some examples of like hi-fi manufacturers that now attend Cedia? I mean, I saw ELAC and AudioQuest and... Uh, you know, Paradigm Martin Logan was there. Golden Ear was there. Um, oh, God, who else did I... You know, Levinson's there. Focal um, there? Yeah, Focal was there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we're seeing a lot of those, you know, of course, all the people from Macintosh Group, you know, Sons Fiber Audio Research, all of that was there. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, but it's, it's a different audience. I mean, I think the sad thing is that after 15 years, we're still saying Rocky Mountain has potential. Mm. And I mean, the rooms were bigger. Um, the rooms, there were a lot, I, I think it was a lot easier for people to get good sound in, right. these, in these larger rooms, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. I just think you know, with the show being so spread out, I, I think it was, I think, like I said, I think it was really hard to get in the groove. And it, I mean, if you spent the whole weekend there, but again, sleeping rooms almost doubled in price over last year. Yeah. The cool thing 
good thing it was really close to the airport. It was a five minute lift ride from the airport. Right. The bad news is, is if you didn't want to stay at the hotel, um, there's nothing else to do because you're now you're now instead of being 20 minutes from Denver, you're 45 minutes from Denver. Right. Okay. So, so it's much harder to get downtown. So unless you're making that a vacation destination, mm. man, there's nothing else to do. You're just in, you know, it's, it's five minutes down the road from the Denver airport and you've yeah. been there I mean, you're just in the middle of nowhere. So, yeah. It's, it's, it's not near anything. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's pretty standard for a lot of airports around the world, but yeah. Yeah. So, um, and CD, you know, was, was CD a downtown Jeff? I mean, was, was yeah, it? Yeah, that's in the convention center. So, okay. you know, staying downtown, there's a million things to do. There are much better, much better food choices. Hmm. Um, so it, you know, I mean, so, I don't I mean, know. I, somebody said to me on the weekend, I think this is quite interesting actually. And also quite obvious when you think about it is that these regional shows and not just in the USA, but all there's like four or five in Germany every year. They are well attended generally by the public because as more and more dealers close up shop, more and more people are using shows as a way to audition gear, even though it's, in my opinion, highly unreliable to do so. They still want, you know, they're desperate for somewhere to audition. So the next best thing is the show, the audio show in a hotel, not a convention, so in a hotel. So they right. treat they treat this as a, a way to audition gear. And I think, uh, I have to be careful about how I say this, but I think that in many ways that's holding back the industry because I think if that wasn't the case, if there wasn't the thirst to audition, then a lot of these shows, and I've said this before, could move to a convention type center like Cedia and I think present a more professional face, a more um, mainstream acceptable face, you know, rather than just being the weird guys on the edge of town. Well, I, I that's, I think that's been high end audio's biggest challenge you know, for so long, I mean, back in, I'm going to say, I'm not sure if I'm correct, but I, I, I'm going to say right around the early nineties mm. when it started getting more and more, we started seeing the phenomenon of the, the at home dealer. Right. I don't know if you have much of that over in Europe, but I mean, we have a lot of, a lot of smaller dealers here in the U S are in someone's home. And oh, I see. Well, there's a few of those in Australia that I know. Yes, yeah. Okay. But yeah. the problem with that is, I mean, again, if if you go to buy um, a $100,000 Porsche, you go to this big facility, there's, you know, there's a waiting room, there's financing people, there's service, there's support, you know, blah, blah, mm. blah. And if you go to buy a $100,000 pair of speakers from some guy in his house, mm. um, you know, I mean, again, if you go to go to Louis Vuitton, you go to a Rolex dealer. I mean, there's there's a level of presentation and a yes. level of of implementation that comes with that mm. that I think you would associate with um, higher. I mean, again, you don't even have to go that far. Look at the Apple Store. Okay, mm. you, you go to buy a twelve hundred dollar MacBook Air. Look at the presentation of the Apple Store. Yes, but they have economies of scale, don't they, Jeff? I mean, th these are things where you could, I mean, if, say, for example, Name for Carl was selling, you know, 3 million Unity Atoms every year, 
they could probably put it in a box that looks like an Apple type box or have stores well, again, that show I that. I, I guess I don't mean it so much as a negative. I just see it as a difference. Some, something that produces a disconnect mm. with the person that would normally spend that kind of money on things. I agree. Because if you go and buy a very expensive car, doesn't the dealer normally hold a party for you and they pop champagne and all that kind of, all that sort of pomp and circumstance just to kind of make you feel really special. And like you say, if you go and spend the, like, the same money on a pair of speakers, you know, you get two crates turn up at your house and it's like, there you go, mate. Thanks very much. And that's it. Pretty much. I mean, <laughs> no well, I had, a, I had a friend say, you know, he said, hey, do you want to come over on Saturday and set up my turntable? And I said, no, that's your dealer's job. Yep. Yep. You know? So, you yeah, know, I mean, that's, that's one thing I really like about your magazine, Jeff, is that it really presents audio gear in a in a very, very, I won't say slick way, but a very professional way, in a tidy way that, you know, like if you if you took a photograph of, I don't know, whatever you, I don't know, like those JBL speakers, like if you shot, took a photograph of those speakers, your photo would 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 not look out of place next to Apple's photo of their latest iPhone. Right, it, it, you, okay. there wouldn't be too much of a like a cognitive, too much cognitive dissonance. Do you know what I mean? Well, like, that's, that's what I was going for. I mean, right. because I, I spent a lot of my life in the advertising world before I started the magazine, so right. that was the look and feel I wanted to bring. You know, because again, I think it helps people get excited and go, "Hey, I should go to my dealer and look at that. Give it a listen." Um, I th- yeah, I think presentation is important, even even though it's not feature set it's not performance but it's still like you st- i know that the, you know when you take a macbook out of its box it's designed so that the box the lid sl- only slides off i think it's, it's like a 20 second slide like it takes 20 sure. seconds for the air to come out and they design it that way to so it gives you that feeling and th- all of these things matter with anything that you buy i enjoy that you know that kind of it's almost like that vacuum sealed feeling because it kind of communicates a certain sense of freshness of newness sure and, sure and it, and uh you know i think maybe perhaps on one level of validation for the purchase that you've just made i mean hmm. and again it doesn't have to be crazy money i mean no. remember the remember the guys at oppo i mean oppo did an amazing job at presenting $700 CD players. Mm-hmm. I mean, that felt like opening an Oppo CD player for six, seven, eight hundred $800 felt like opening a, a Meridian piece or an Apple mm. piece. I mean, they really did a lovely job with that. That was really cool. And there's there's been a few others that are, you know, I think they're starting to get a little more, you know, in that direction. Yeah, I mean, the, when I um, covered the the cord poly it came with the mojo like the DAC and the streamer in a in just the, the most gorgeous box and i know that they had yeah, one guy it's really well packaged right like really and I, I made a big song and dance about it because that's unusual in the audio world because normally it's a brown box or two brown boxes plus foam cheeks and out it comes right right so when you get you know what i mean so when you get something oh, packaged beautifully it, I, I mean people go oh i don't want to i don't care about the packaging well i do it's, it's like I care about the aesthetics of the product. I care about the feature set. All of these things matter. Anyway, I mean, this is, this is conversations we've had before. It's all yeah. one conversation, really, isn't it, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's kind of that big Mobius strip of the Mobius strip of land audio, right? Thank you so much for um, turning up again, Jeff. I really appreciate that. I really enjoy this podcast with you. Yeah.
You have been listening to the Darko Audio Podcast with me, John Darko, and Tone Audio's Jeff Dorgate.